Base Life Podcast Episode 8. In this episode, Ben joins Brian and I in the studio, and we talk to Sean Chuma. Definitely make sure to check out the show notes for this one, guys. All right, enjoy. Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to the Base Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. All right. What's up, Ben? Uh, we are back in Germany in the studio. We have Ben and Brian and myself, Randy. And we're going to talk to Sean Chuma here in a little bit, professional base jumper. But first things first, Ben, how are you been? Good, man. Good holiday season. Yeah. You guys? Yeah. About I feel like I haven't seen you guys in forever. Feels like it's been forever. It has been a while. Long enough for you to grow that uh, thing on your lip. Uh, this, only took, uh, this only took a week, man. Yeah. I mean, Jen made a, me leave it. This is great for podcasting because you know there's no audio or no, no one vid, can no see video, it, right? but they can hear it. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's the sound, ladies. That's <laughs> a. Uh, I cat- feel like it's out of regs. Right, a caterpillar it's, just it's way past the, the uh, mic, the mouth. Mm. Yeah, I don't grow facial hair that's within regs. Mm. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, me either. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's good. Yeah. Went home, saw my dad retire. Yeah, how was that? It's cool. Forty-two years on an ambulance, you know. He's uh, anxiety-ridden and uh, has peripheral neuropathy from it. But other than that, it's a really good retirement. Yeah, taco truck outside. <laughs> <laughs> so my brother's uh, my brother's got him rubbing that CBD oil on his feet now. So oh, nice. Things are looking up. Nice. Yeah, it's funny how. After major career changes like that, so many people try weed for the first time. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's like, you know, our our entire childhood, it was, if you if you do weed, you smoke weed, you're a loser. Yeah. And then he's telling me, he's like, yeah, Andrew got me these these edibles the other night. So I took some, and uh, I didn't really notice a change. And then and I had like five left over the next night, so I ate all those. <laughs> and he's like, I'm watching this movie, and all of a sudden I realize... I have no idea what's going on in the movie anymore. <laughs> and I don't know how long I've been watching TV for. And he's like, of course, being a paramedic, the first thing that comes to mind, he's like, I'm having a stroke. So he's like, <laughs> he's like I, I get up and I'm looking at my face in the mirror. Is it droopy? I can't tell. You know, like, yeah, it's so funny though. I'm just like a guy I used to skydive with in San Diego. His brother was in the police academy and our buddy had just gotten out of the military and had a bunch of uh, mushrooms in uh, chocolate just the caps in the freezer. Uh oh. And uh his uh his brother came home from police academy late one night and was like, I'm starving. There's nothing in the house. Ooh, piece and of candy. He eats a whole bunch of mushrooms and starts tripping balls. So he he calls Ooh. his supervisor like something's happening to me. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I bet that'd be like being in like a bad dream or something, you know? Like uh, all of a sudden like I don't know, like you're seeing things. and I mean, I imagine it can be bad enough even when you know what you've done, but if you're just sitting mm-hmm. there and all of a sudden, like, spiders start coming out of your skin. Yeah, it's one thing if you yeah. expect that to happen, or things to happen. It's another thing when it's like, surprise. Yeah. Or, uh, I would have been like, man, this chocolate tastes like shit. <laughs> tastes, <laughs> tastes like rotten mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? Good, good holiday. Yeah, yeah. We uh, 
Did a little paragliding over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in I was in London for a minute and saw some family. And uh, you know, T's been here, so that's been awesome. I yeah. spent a week in Spain, jumping out of airplanes. Yeah, I uh, I voraciously gobbled up every single picture you put on any kind of social media. We were having fun. I'm bringing my freak out there. Yeah, you should. Sure. You absolutely should. Yeah. Especially because uh, Scott of Spain likes wingsuiters. Yeah, dude, it looked awesome out there. Was it warm? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Dude, if you can come for your birthday weekend, it'd be so awesome. Mm. It would probably be hard to pick up flights that two weeks out. That are not. I mean, it's your birthday, expensive. so yeah, we you're were going go to go to pay for the flights. We were going to go to the uh, indoor wingsuit tunnel. That's a perfect idea. He's not allowed to pay for the flights. <laughs> nah, that's a good point. Yeah, I probably owe him a flight or two from some of our pre- previous trips. Yeah, I'm gonna buy Brian flights mm-hmm. when I get home tonight. Mm. <laughs> well, <clears throat> well, we'll talk about it later. Sounds good. Off, off air. Should we uh, give Sean Chuma a call? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. Well, so today's call-in guest is uh, professional base jumper Sean Chuma. Uh, gosh, it's it's kind of hard to describe this guy because he does so many things, but um, he just broke 5,000 base jumps. Uh, he did a performance for Nitro Circus. He teaches tandem, or he teaches base jumping in Twin Falls, Idaho, and... Uh, does tandem base and more importantly one of the og members of the vesperados the vesperados yeah anyways let me see if i can catch him shit Juma. john what's going on what's up man Yo. let me uh let me try to i picked up on my computer so okay. let me try to switch this over yeah or uh i didn't actually mean to video call you so we can we can try again if you want, or yeah, try just... again. Let me All go right. take a leak real quick too. All so, right, give yeah, me well... one minute and then call not me ed- again. All right, call you in a minute. Right. Not editing that out. Yeah, that's staying in. Definitely not <laughs> editing that out. How does professional base jumper Sean Chuma take a leak with his dick? One minute at a time, just like everyone else, except for his dick is four feet long. <laughs> Alleged. All right, should I try tra- Sean again? Yeah. Yo. Hey, it's Randy. Can you hear me? That Chick- should work. Chicka yeah, Chum what's Chuma. up, Sean? Yeah, what's you, up, guys? You got uh, Ben, Brian, and myself all in our studio, quote-unquote. Yo, what up, also, also known as my apartment. Sweet. I'm in my studio, too. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? I've been good. Yeah, congrats on uh, 5,000 base jumps, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Sean, what's up, dude? I haven't talked to you in forever. Who is it? It's Ben. Hey, Ben. Oh, wait. Oh, dude. Ben, Ben. Hey. <laughs> what's up, man? Yeah, I what's up, dude? I what Ben I was talking to. I forgot that it was you. Yeah, what? man. I missed you last time you were out here. You do these sneak attack trips. <laughs> Where are you guys? Yeah, we're in Germany. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I just went right by there, and then that's it. Yeah, I, fig- I figured it was kind of impromptu. Plus, it's I'm hard not to get lost there, too. Yeah. 
That's true. <laughs> yeah, man. Maybe not for you guys. Well, no, no, no. no. Yeah. Especially for us. <laughs> we get lost as shit. We, we've we taken every possible route between here and Lauterbrunn, and, uh, thanks to our the Garmin we used to use, because it just... Uh, so painful. Um, but it's hard to get lost now, though. Yeah, my I, phone didn't even work when I was there, so... I was when when to, were you here? Well, the last time I remember going through Stuttgart was... Uh, that time I called Ben, um, it was like last, when was it? No, it was last, like two Novembers ago. So not this past one, but the one before. Holy smokes. Oh, I would have been back in Hawaii then. I thought it was October. Mm. It was October, wasn't it? Well, we were out in Europe. Yeah, it was in, it could have been late October or early November. Yeah. And then we, me and my girlfriend went back out to Europe on this last November and yeah. we didn't go through we didn't go through Germany yeah though. you guys were like in Venice and some other Italy spots, and right? everything right no we didn't go to Venice we just went to Florence Florence and, right. yeah Florence and where else did we go we went to um oh we went to Rome that place wasn't as fun as Florence yeah and then we ended up up there at that wingsuit wind tunnel Ooh. what'd you think of that I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I can definitely see the value in it. Yeah. Jarno and, and uh, what's her name? I forgot her name. They're super good in that thing. Yeah, he just did like uh, uh, six hours, uh, some like a set of record. Oh, he, he did six hours in a day or something? Yeah. No, oh, one, straight. One consecutive flight. He did a Guinness Book of World Records attempt last night or the yeah. night before. Where, yeah, he, he ended up doing six and a half hours straight. How do you do that, dude? You just get, like, one of those big curly straws and have somebody, like, nectar Red Bull into your mouth? Yeah. Like a hummingbird or something? He had a, he had a camel back. <laughs> he had a bladder of oh, water because it was, like, super hot in the tunnel, and he was sweating like crazy. Yeah, I bet, So man. he stopped at six and a half hours or whatever it was. Um, Cause because he had a he seizure. Because he was out of water, and he stopped <laughs> before he went into any kind of... Wow, craziness. that is impressive, man. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, six and a half hours. I, we, I did. Uh, I did. Let's see, twenty-five minutes one day, and then maybe another twenty-five minutes or so another the other day, the next day, and it was hurt, man. Like it was yeah. hurting bad. Yeah, twenty-five minutes. That's okay. that's like eight <clears throat> eight skydives, give or take. You know, that's pretty. Yeah, legit. my shoulders. Yeah. It felt like my arms were about to just rip off. Did, I can't imagine six. Did hours. it? Uh, were you able to fly pretty easily untethered in there immediately, or were you tethered? No, no it wasn't. Uh, wasn't easy at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> like at first, you know, you got these big tethers in there at first. Are we recording this yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's recording. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so you got these big, um, like, I don't know, training wheel tether things that you get on first. It's more like a harness, like two ropes coming down from the side. And then, um, after you pass that, you know, that part's really hard because you can, anytime you turn or go too low, you can feel those things yanking on you. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really feel too good having those on. But once you get those off, then he kind of just flies you like a kite with like uh, one small tether that's more like an umbilical cord. And hmm. that one feels more like you're flying. And so, uh, yeah, and then once you get off of that thing, yeah, I ran into the walls. I body slammed myself a couple times. And just because you start flying, the first couple minutes you're good, but then, you know, you got to get back up there again. You take a little break. 
like two minute flights and um you start getting tired and making mistakes and then you kind of get hard on yourself and make more mistakes and eventually you just i wiped out a couple times but <laughs> yeah so but... i think it's good to do like short like less than maybe well about 10 to 15 minutes max each little you know each time you go up right. in there yeah hmm so you don't end up as a bug splat against the back wall? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that a lot. There's yeah. a net back there, and you just get blown against it, and you kind of get stuck. Right. Just I, learning, how to mo- learning how to move around in there is pretty tough. Yeah, I smashed into the wall on in like a regular wind tunnel, let alone I can't imagine what I would do in a wingsuit wind tunnel. Oh, I know. It hurts, man. But <laughs> I can see the value in it, what I was saying. you know, I can, I can see how it could help you, and it, I guess it kind of feels like you know, if you were to fly through a little hole in a rock or something like that, mm-hmm. it's like doing that for the whole time. Oh, wow. That's a good point. And so you're trying to do these, you know, transitions to your back, which I suck at flying on my back, but um, I got to work on that in there. And, uh, you know, if you do that inside of a hole, then you're going to get better if you do it. So Yeah, for sure. Aim small, miss small. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. And it feels pretty realistic as far as the the sensation of flight is pretty much the same coming out of the plane as it is yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean you're still you're still flying. The angle doesn't change as much, and you can't really tip uh, the suit over. You, know, you can't really dive steep. Yeah, for more than about a second. Right. Um, but they can speed it up where you actually you know you have to fly faster and. So it's a little weird. <laughs> there's certain things you can't. I don't think you can recreate, but there's other things that. Are, pretty awesome that'll definitely change the game as far as acrobatics mm. yeah that type and, and precision yeah yeah super precision well and you know like when you see the wingsuit videos uh with like dynamic flight and whatnot they look so smooth you know like when you're in the sky uh because yeah. of that frame of reference but when you change the frame of reference to uh like the wind tunnel and you just see how just how jerky some movements can be when when yeah. the relativity changes and uh yeah so i can't i mean it has to help you know jumpers get better ultimately yeah yeah, yeah definitely change things well dude i guess we could start asking sean about himself yeah it's the sean schumer podcast yeah so <laughs> tell us uh real recently you uh did a jump in was it south africa with nitro circus I did, yeah, back in, so it was a busy couple months. Um, I went to Bridge Day and did uh, a bunch of tandems out there, and Jordan Kilgore helped me this year and the last few years with that. Um, And then right from there, I had to have my girlfriend fly everything home, all my rigs, Mm -hmm. and I had like, you know, six rigs with me. Wow. Um, So she took all that stuff home and I went straight from Fayetteville, West Virginia to, or no. Yeah. That's where it. was I? Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. So I flew from Charlotte, West okay. Virginia to Char- um, Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the one named after some <laughs> British guy or something. Or something like that. <laughs> okay. So that place. And then I flew to Johannesburg and then to Durban, you know, straight from there. And then the next day, um, we started prepping for that that show, which was in Durban at the Moses Mabita Stadium. 
so I got to do. Um, I've actually jumped there before several years ago when yeah. uh, me and my friend Donald Schultz. I went out there to see him, um, or actually went out there with him to help film. Uh, we were filming an anti-rhino poaching documentary that he was working on, and oh, we wow. went up in that stadium and uh, like in the middle of the night and jumped with. Uh, nice. I don't know if I should. I don't know uh, what. She has now some, yeah. <laughs> Oops, <Okay>. well, uh, <laughs> just dropping um, names. We, we can always yeah. edit this. We go with no last names right yeah, here. Yeah, band, bandit jumping. Uh, <laughs> no, you, they had permits yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were totally permissions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Permit. So we went up there and jumped that. So it was really cool to be able to go back for this thing. Um, and it was the Eric Groner tribute. Um, yeah. So we got to do a practice jump the, the day before the show. So me and Travis Pastrana jumped. Um, I just did a big old front flip off it it's 320 feet and I was hoping to jump it again to maybe bust a double tweener off it but... from 320 feet? yeah like, nice. yeah. and uh, it's a big soccer <laughs> you realize like 320 <laughs> feet I'm like do I'm, am I going handheld or am I going stove? <laughs> <laughs> you're like how many tweeners can I do? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's so cool looking down in there because the, the soccer field, you know, they had the Giganto ramp down there and all these other ramps, and it was right below. Um, and, you you know, the stadium was empty that first day where we did the practice jump. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, you know, it's, it was actually pretty windy to the point to where the guys, um, the other guys in the show jumping the, the bikes and everything, were kind of worried that they were going to have to cancel it because they have to deal with the wind also. Oh, wow. They're up in the air. They're like way the hell up there. And if if the wind blows them off track, then they miss the the landing, and yeah. that Ooh. wouldn't be good. So so they were kind of thinking the same thing. But it ended up, you know, it rained a little bit, and but they had the ramps covered, so it didn't mess with those guys. And then it kind of just calmed down about when it was time to go. But I was sweating the whole time because you know in a stadium, it, it kind of gets a little bit uh, swirly in there. Swirly in there. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, but there's, there's out, thousands know, of people watching you, not not to mention yeah. cameras. Yeah, there's 13,000 in there, which is cool. And then they, you know, they grabbed someone out of the audience and took them up there. And there's this little elevator that goes kind of sideways up the arch um, of that stadium. And then there's also um, these cables that are about 14 feet down from the exit. And so I kind of had to, you know, rig up this... Uh, interesting little static line with like a bungee bridle and then a dynamic rope and it worked real well actually because um, i had to fall past those mm. before i got static lined and then uh yeah i did a turn and you, oh it's so cool because they did this big countdown and then uh the crowd just started going crazy once we jumped and then we landed and it's pretty magical experience actually <laughs> sounds awesome yeah uh, and then uh, we went and jumped ponty like the next day or two days later in Johannesburg, and that was awesome as well. What the, what got you interested in base jumping initially, Sean? Um, I was – good question, actually, because now I'm going to start talking about Adam Clark. Um, so I was uh, – you know, I started skydiving when I was 16 in Caldwell, Idaho, at Skydive Idaho. Um, and I was just watching all these stunt shows when I was young and I saw skydiving in it and they were using those big baggy suits and old stuff, you know? Um, 
And then, so I skydived. I had 700 skydives. I was skydiving at Skydive San Diego. And um, Adam Clark had just uh, learned how to jump. And I was ground crewing for him for this jump down there. And um, I don't know. We just talked about it a lot. He's like, dude, you got to get a rig. So I ended up buying a rig. And then that's when I had that accident where I smashed my face. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I actually had to miss the course that I was uh, going to do with Baxter Gillespie. Mm-hmm. And and so my rig was just sitting there under my bed for a long time while I was healing and everything. And I think it was, uh, I'm not sure how many months later, because I had to heal up and everything. My shoulder was jacked up. My foot was broken. And You broke your face too, didn't you? Your, your I really arch? broke my face. Yeah, your face yeah, was most, broken. Pretty. Most of the impact to the packing tent <laughs> on the, the swooping accident was to my face so i just yeah pushed it in and they had to do uh like reconstructive surgery so there's actually two little tiny plates in my face um that kind of like you know brought everything that holds it together yeah but you uh, brought that entire tent. tent to the ground so i'd say well, you won just that, just that one part <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah screw that tent Dude. i don't remember anything besides i remember so i remember uh, kind of waking up for a second because Wyatt Drews ran over and he's talking to me and he saw that I, you know everybody else thought I was dead because I guess it was like a loud like a train wreck because you imagine the top of that tent is this tight canvas so it's like a drum the whole thing yeah yeah so it's probably sounded like a yeah like a train wreck and I remember <laughs> Wyatt coming over and and making sure I was okay and I guess I spit a tooth or two into someone's hand oh and uh and it's just kind of vague memories, though. But he told me to uh, imagine as if I was already healed. And so that's what I did. And actually ended up healing really fast. Um, nice. But yeah. That's, never, yeah, that's, that's a pretty a... crazy story. But anyways, sorry, I was getting into uh, how I started base jumping. But yeah, I was skydiving down there. And then um, Adam Clark kind of like pushed me along, told me the moves to make. Where I was getting a rig and then, you know, missed that first class. Went to this this next one with two other guys and it was cold and rainy the whole time. We got six jumps. Came up here to Twin Falls and uh, and it was on from there. So I just jumped a bunch and then finally, you know, the job that I had done in San Diego, doing nightclub promotions, passing out flyers, Ooh. Uh, just putting them on cars and stuff. Um, so. I was doing that one night, you know, kind of like a couple months after I started base jumping. Yeah, and, I remember uh, this. Yeah, so the security guard runs after <clears> me <throat> in a parking garage, and uh, he starts, you know, he's yelling at me, and I, his eyes were huge. He was pissed because I was in there the night before. So, I mean, I can't leave that part out. He's, and he told me not <laughs> to come back. So now he's extra pissed. And he's, uh, <clears throat> he's running after me, and we're on the top floor, the sixth floor. I'm running towards the stairwell. And I'm throwing these flyers out trying to make, like, an oil slick so that he slips. <laughs> and, uh, but it didn't work because he just chased me into the stairwell. And I get one floor down, and he had he pulled out his nightstick. Oh, shit. Uh, and he threw it at me and hit me in the head, um, <laughs> like, right on the top of my head. And it Ooh. just split open. And I was wearing a beanie, which probably helped a little bit. But that beanie soaked up uh, the blood. And it was dripping down my face, like running down my face within about three seconds. And I thought about picking up the club 
but I did yeah. not probably well, at that more point, trouble that. It's funny, the base lawyer in me is like, What he did what? A security guard? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I'm not actually a lawyer, I know. but um <laughs> And he's a, he was actually a an armed security guard too and uh, you know, this, you could he was crazy, man. He was like really crazy and at least he didn't pull that out. Um but yeah, so I just ran down the street and people are screaming because there's blood all over my face. I drove home and then I just, you know, kind of cleaned myself up a little bit and went to sleep. And uh, and then Ben, wasn't it you and Bonnie that I yeah yeah I remember because you came you came and looked at my head. Dude, right? I still or, to this day feel like a dick for not just stapling that because I remember thinking. <laughs> God, that is a big gash. Like, I don't want to close it wrong, and then you have a bunch of scar tissue that doesn't grow hair anymore. And then you went to urgent care, right? And they were just like, eh, fuck it, and just stapled it up with a staple gun. Yeah, we went to Coronado. Yeah, I was like, I could have done that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I appreciate you thinking about me, because I'm glad I can grow hair on my head in a big strip. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> to, uh, to be fair, Ben has operated on some of our friends uh, since yeah. then. So. I learned my oh, lesson. Man, yeah. I started cutting everyone's heads open. Right? <laughs> I would let you. I would let. I would have let you. Yeah, looking back on it, I'm like, dude, I had a staple gun. I could have just clo- I could have done the same thing, and probably wouldn't have cost you like 150 bucks. But oh well, hindsight. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Um. But yeah, after that, let's see. After that happened, I moved to, I decided to go to Twin Falls and just live there because I wanted to jump all the time and do flips. And, um, and kind of that's how I got started into base jumping and just went from there, kind of started to develop a little bit of a reputation for aerials. Um, and you've got, you've got a, a ton ago. of gymnastics background too, right? Like you grew up doing gymnastics. Yeah, I do. I have, I did it for about 10 years. Uh, competitive gymnastics and then I went into pole vault for college so I quit gymnastics at that point and just did pole vault full-time in college which we actually trained on the trampoline and did gymnastics for training yeah Um, but yeah so I I did a lot of gymnastics and I jumped on trampolines my whole you know I bought one when I was 12 um, because I earned money from babysitting the neighbors when i was like 11 i don't know who lets an 11 year old babysit but they did Um, cheap labor (laughs) different different times too yeah for sure i know me and my brother were going we were walking to school and like we're gone all day as long as we're within yelling distance you know my dad he would just go outside and scream yeah pre-cell phones uh, just whistle now it's it's time to come home for dinner kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah kids can't really go outside their yard a lot of times it seems like i mean nobody's running around the block not you know you always know where your parents are it's like you're attached it has changed yeah by far yeah dude i gotta ask you before i before it jumps off the front of my brain um where did you get the term interdimensional gangsterism from (laughs) (laughs) um okay yeah i like that um so Basically, me and Chris Scott used to jump all the time, um, skydive, and he's he ended up getting in a skydiving accident a couple years ago. For people who don't know, it's been it's over two years now at Skydive Long Island and ended up breaking his neck. And so he's uh, has no movement of his arms or legs. Um, 
and him and I used to scout out together all the time down there. And we would, we started doing this thing we called, uh, like, I don't know, we would basically tra- jump out of the plane, track away from each other, then track right back for each other and go like <laughs> Genius. towards the, well, we would stay on the right of each other and we would yeah. start like turning so that we could get into this orbiting thing. Um, and we, when we did it, you know, you could do barrel rolls and you could stay pretty close. So you're just, you know, carving around each other. And, uh, and it just, you couldn't stop laughing when you were doing it and it kind of felt timeless <laughs> like you were going into different, you know, dimensions. <laughs> so that's where I think the the word interdimensional was birthed among us. And we called that interdimensional free tracking. Um, it's more like, uh, it kind of went on to like the Atmanati, and I guess they call it angle flying mostly now. But About that's what, what, we were, what year was this? I'm just, uh, Sorry, random question. Probably, I don't want to throw you off track. But 2006? Probably 2000. Six, Five seven, or six, I guess. Yeah. Okay, I was I was gonna guess 2004, uh, just from other things going on, and because I was, I was, I mean, I was a baby scout ever back then, but um, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, so so going on the uh, yeah we um, so we called that interdimensional free tracking, and then like then we just kind of went crazy with it, and it was kind of. Uh, we thought about that a lot, just how when you were orbiting around each other, creating this torsion field, how weird shit started to happen. And uh, and it was kind of like a serious thing for us. <laughs> and then uh, since then, I've learned all this crazy stuff about torsion fields and all this weird technology that has to do with swirling energy and, you know, the universe and everything. And it kind of just went on from there. So interdimensional uh base jumping is, is was kind of for me it was kind of a thing where you just uh you know it's just like a different level of thing which encompasses more than you know just uh normal existence i guess trying and to harness kind of, that mystical power yeah, of the rotation yeah, exactly i got it so i got it you dude kind of, yeah the word just morphed into interdemented and then i called my base jumping school interdemented base and it was just like about uh interdimensional base jumping you know it's just different than just going flat it's just yeah putting everything else in there all the weird movements that create fields and because you know one thing that's crazy about it is when you're doing flips and twists if you're just in a if you're flipping like let's say you're doing you jump and you're just doing a bunch of backflips while you're doing all those backflips you can actually uh pivot on another axis so you're on one axis right it's kind of like where you're going uh let's say from your left hip to your right hip um you're on an axis when you're flipping there but you can also move and and rotate on a whole the opposite axis while that you're rotating on that first axis which kind of blows my mind because you can't just you know if you jump flat and stable you can't just start rotating on two Unless axes. you have air to push on, right? So it has to come from the exit. But if you're flipping already, then you can, which I always thought that was pretty fascinating. Um, and that's kind of like how my mind thinks. Um, kind of all has to go back, all goes back to that interdimensional type stuff. 
Rad. Yeah, well, well, yeah. At least for myself, I know my my big move is like a gainer. So you know, like a woo. <laughs> <laughs> Gainers are sweet. Right? Gainers for safety. But while we're kind of on it, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the uh, interdimented bass school and, uh, you know, what you're doing with that? And you're you're affiliated with uh, Next Level now as well, right? I am, yeah. Squirrel's been awesome to me the last uh, almost two years. Um, They've been helping out a lot to develop, like, better education in bass and, and develop my school and get the word out there too um, so but my school I started teaching people I think it was about you know seven or eight years ago um, and it was just you know I was just doing my thing at the bridge and eventually I like I said I started building a reputation and then people started asking me to teach them and I was like I'm not a teacher and then I kind of taught a guy and it turned out pretty good, and then it kind of just went on from there, um, built a reputation um, for teaching people. And, uh, yeah, now it's about, well, yeah, I guess seven or eight years later, and I'm, I've taught about, I think, around 250 people. Wow. I try to keep my classes That's awesome. pretty small, yeah. I try to keep them pretty small, around four or five people, because I like to get to know everybody. Um, really well because I want to know who I'm helping get into our sport, you know, right. because obviously if I'm teaching the wrong people, um, people that aren't ready or don't have, they aren't, you know, don't have the wisdom, like the human wisdom to, to, you know, uh, protect that responsibility, mm-hmm. then, then it kind of is like a, you know, it's just a negative thing for the sport. So I really try to focus on who I'm teaching and, and get them really grounded and, and show them that it's not just a, it's not just like it used to be, you know, uh, adrenaline junkies. Yeah. Just going forward. And whatever. Yeah. It's not, it's not that anymore. It's more like, you know, we're trying to stay alive, but have yeah. a lot of fun. And so I, I just really emphasize decision-making and just, you know, s- smart people, um, when they're learning how to jump, that's kind of like the main thing, you know, cause like if you, there's all these risks that you stack on top of each other. And if you get too many of them on there and, you know, people are kind of complacent a little bit in the beginning cause things go right and things go right. And then all of a sudden, you know, they lose a friend or mm-hmm. something happens to them. Or a lot of times what I've seen is people have a kid, you know, and that changes everybody's mind. So, um, you know, they either stop jumping or, or they get smart, um, but it's it's getting through that little f- initial phase that's mm-hmm. like that's like the deal breaker for a lot of people. So um, a lot of people just think that you're just going and jumping off of stuff and just going for it, you know. But it's it's not about going for it. Uh, it's more about you know trying to make the best decision in every every moment. But that's a hard job, you know, because like let's say you're stuck on top of a you know you hiked like three or four hours to get to a massive terminal wall and then you get you know, clouded out aren't, or something. Aren't like looking right. Out. Yeah, it's like, what do you do? You know, you could still, maybe the cloud's not, you know how it is. Like, there's yeah. so many decisions <laughs> yeah. to make. I could be down there drinking a beer in like five minutes, or, you know, I could maybe freeze to death hiking down. Um, you know, and let's say you made all the right decisions leading up to that point, so it looked like it was going to be good. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that, 
issues that can happen and, um, on any jump, and it's just about trying to deal with that. So I try to show people um, kind of how to do that and just to appreciate what they have, you know, and appreciate the family of it. And I, I, I'm not real big on competition within base jumping because I don't really think it's a good thing for it. You can't win. People, yeah, people think a different. You know, they think differently when it's a competitive environment. Yeah, it's more about having fun and being able to do it again. Yeah, um, and if it's what? not fun anymore for people, then you know they should probably stop. Yeah, no, no. I, I every jump's a low pull contest for me. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Randy has been That's losing a, a for a joke. long time. Right, <laughs> I'm like the highest dirty, dirty high puller. <laughs> So Chuma, if you've been if you've been teaching folks for years now, have you noticed a change in the type of folks that you're teaching that from when you started to who you're teaching now? Um, with the people that I've started teaching, or yeah. that I, ta- yeah, totally. It's like a little clan now. Like we have a gang. It's called the ID Base Army, and it's pretty sweet. It's all the students that I've ever taught, and they all kind of uh, are able to connect with each other and use each other as a network um, when they travel around or whatever. And it's cool because they see that, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, that I've taught that, you know, that you can tell that they really listen to what I was saying. Cause they have that. I can hear things from, from my mentality when I'm jumping about risk and, you know, the, the stuff that I just told you mm-hmm. that's definitely stuck with them. But also there's, you know, there's still people that come along that kind of go rogue and don't seem to get the point and, uh, you know, maybe aren't, uh, mentally stable. Yeah. Maybe not. Right. Maybe not that it's true. Yeah. That, and they, uh, sometimes just, it takes them longer to get through that point of like just going crazy with it and pushing the limits. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no denying that a lot of people, um, probably get into base because it's, uh, it's something they're using as their coming of age ceremony. You know, like most 21 year olds will go out and and just drink too much and get in bar fights. And some people are like, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to base jump and I'm going to, I'm going to be gnarly as hell. Right. Well, yeah. You go through that phase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Everything at the end of the day is about getting chicks. Do you remember when, uh, this was, uh, 2010 or 11, we we were out at the bridge. I don't expect you to remember this because there's a million people who go to the bridge, but, uh, there's a dude that was like, yo, I, I want, uh, he was on an FJC and I'm pretty sure it was apex. And he was like, I want a, um, uh, Red Bull sugar-free Red Bull (laughs) sponsorship. Uh, uh, and we were all like, "What?" Like he was like, "Yeah, no one's sponsored by sugar-free Red Bull." Like he was literally in the middle of his like Apex FJC like first jump course. I don't know. We gotta have I, goals, I don't expect, man. I don't expect you to remember that, but that that stuck with me he, for years. You know, like did he jump with a can or do that thing? Or? No, no, uh, not that I know. Of. He, he was just like joking about it, but uh, it was a. Uh, one of those moments, like, well, let's. How about you graduate from your FJC, and then we'll talk about sponsors. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. It's it's not about trying to do that, man. It's weird because that's one of the other things that I notice about people learning now. Um, even more and more, it's all about the videos and you know, YouTube, GoPro, social media. Um, everybody, it's almost like that is becomes the the reason the to focus. do it, right? Yeah rather than just for fun. I think you should 
definitely be able to, like, if you can't go out there and jump without a camera, and even, I mean, I'm not saying go jump alone because it's good to have someone there that way if something happens, you know, but, you know, like, you you should be able to do that because you love it so much, you know, rather than uh, making sure you got the shot, needing to have a camera and like Mm -hmm. putting it online every time. And it's not about that. Like, sure. It's cool. Like I love having a film crew there, but I, I, that means I get to do my thing and they can do their thing and I'm not going to be influenced, um, you know, or pressured by them because I, I have before and it's, uh, that's not a good thing either, but you know, it's like, you have to be able to do that for that passion of it rather than just for, you know, so you can get famous on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had to, if you had to, uh, to put one trick on the internet for everyone to see, what would that trick be? Um, well, I probably have put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause I still do. I like to share my stuff, but let's see. Um, what is your favorite trick? And I'm talking, I'm talking about base jumping. I've got a guess. Can uh, I guess? It's good. Does, does, does it? Sorry. Yeah, say the guess. I want to hear it. it. I guess that it's like a quadruple game over or something. Like that. Game over <laughs> of some sort. Game over. I'm going to guess it's something where his arms are free to not be holding a parachute, so he can mess <laughs> with that second axis. Yeah. <laughs> that triple, myth, oh, triple misty it. flip. Yeah, you're there are right. some fantasy. There are some fantasy tricks in there. That's fine. Um, like role playing tricks. No. <laughs> Okay, so one of my did yeah, so the, so fuzzy off, animals one time. What what's the big deal? <laughs> so there was uh, I think I put it on somewhere, um, maybe on Instagram. Um, but I just uh, where I was hanging off the bridge and was swinging, and then did a I let go on the back swing and do a front flip with a half twist, and then a back flip, full twist, another back flip, full twist, and then a back flip like two and a half uh, twists and then four flips. I guess something like that. But I Not a game over. <laughs> but not a game over. Yep. <laughs> Wrong. Um, I've, uh, I do jump differently at the bridge than I do on higher things. Like, you know, if I get to a place that's like the, let's say the KL Tower or the New River Gorge Bridge, um, I've got a little bit of extra time so I so I can actually belly out at the bottom if needed. So something I do different when I'm at those kind of things. I'm just saying this because because I was thinking of it. But at the bridge, I got to time everything, and you know think about every flip. But at higher things like that, it turns more into this freestyle type um, aerials jumping where I pretty much just think about the first flip and then depending on which way I'm rotating, I can you know, add twists in there and end up, you know, facing whichever way I want to. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite ways to jump. Having enough time to just go free form and yeah, just freestyle. Cause nice. it's cool. I mean, to think of that stuff on the way rather than rehearsing it. Cause I'm more of like a guy that I just would rather go with the flow with, with everything, you know, rather than try to decide everything uh, like in the beginning, just cause you know, stuff happens anyways. So you got to be ready to adapt and uh, you can just turn it into something, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I know. Like I, I've watched you jump at all three of those places, and I, uh, if I if I see you on the platform or wherever near near the exit point, like I, I generally have a tendency to like hold back so that I can see whatever it is you're about to do because I know it's going to be entertaining at the very least and lots of flippy dudes well, usually. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. Sometimes it sometimes it's uh, it's funny because I'll. Sometimes people will ask, uh, they'll be like, do do a flip or do something cool. And a lot of times I just end up going flat and stable. <laughs> well, actually, and that's that might be a gift. You know, it's like for someone to say, yeah, I saw Sean Chuma go flat and stable. I, I, I can't say that. <laughs> like, so, That's funny. Usually I try to scream a little bit if I'm going flat and stable. <laughs> it's more fun that way. <laughs> so tell us about the... Uh, the growing club, I'll use the club instead of gang, maybe, but Vesperados. Oh, uh, Brian and I have been fortunate enough to uh, experience the Vesperados in, uh, we were in Greece this year altogether. Um, but Vesperados has, has grown significantly, <laughs> like clubs well, all over def- the world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's spreading throughout the world. It's definitely a gang. And what it is, is mm-hmm. it's kind of like a scooter gang. And I'm pretty sure it all started in Greece with, uh, like, it was about, I think, four years ago or so. And we were riding scooters around, and it was uh, Jimmy and Marta and Hank and Bun Bun. Um, I think Hank ended up making a vest or something so that he could ride around on his scooter with a vest. And then it, he may have made a couple other people a vest or something. But we kind of started taking it seriously because, you know, you go to this event and it's, you know, I mean, it's easy to focus just on the jumping because you got the beautiful water down there and everything. But then I think the best part about that whole trip is is riding scooters around because you get to you know, go all around the mm-hmm. island and just, like, live, like, a lazy lifestyle, um, you know, going from one place to another and so it just kept getting more and more serious every year and then i know i i ended up getting a scooter (laughs) and i love riding it and me and my girlfriend brenton go ride everywhere and now when we go places um like different countries or whatever we try to rent a scooter we did in italy we rented one in rome but that was pretty tough because we've got all those cameras that's that's probably more dangerous than base jumping frankly yeah that was really sketchy actually like i it actually wasn't that fun because I was too worried about getting tickets or, or whatever. But I also got one in Malaysia this past year because Captain Aziz uh, helped me find one, and that yeah. was really fun. Yeah. So me and Tom Grayson both got them in Cebu, and we were just cruising around there going across these boats. Um, there's these scooter ferries that take just scooters. Like you pay – it was about 30 is what it what it was equal to and you just get on this ferry and go across this big river and then you're in this place where it's you know just a bunch of trees and whatever they farm over there um i think it's like uh palm oil or something mm-hmm. um but they uh so you're way back in there and um see some pretty interesting stuff but at the same time if the scooter were to break down you'd be screwed but <laughs> that's why there's two of us um but yeah, we rode around all over there, and then in riding around in KL um, was really nuts because you can just go on the sidewalks and 
you know, I like that style of riding a lot. Yeah. Here in Twin Falls, if I do that, I'm going to probably get in trouble. <laughs> or they're going to be like, dude, what are you doing? This isn't right. This isn't a third world country. But that's how they do it in other places, and it's pretty awesome. And you can get around all over the place because you can weave in and out of the cars. And, you know, there's just like driving a car is probably just a dumb idea there. But yeah. scooters, you know, you can fit a whole family on there. Like a Anywhere. couple kids. Yeah, like <laughs> seven, seven people. You can, but you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so we just uh yeah the vesperados is just this you know growing yeah. group of people yeah well, we pretty awesome we knew uh <laughs> coming going to the zach and thos boogie this year was like bring a vest like it was it was understood yeah. and I was like, all right like, but that's awesome yeah it's like having a it's like having wearing it all on your sleeve like you're showing your cred and everything the older the older the stuff the better different patches from different <laughs> cities it's pretty fun hey uh hey <laughs> i haven't met your girlfriend yet it's brenton or brenton benton brent brenton Brent. where did you meet yeah. her man uh i met her at elevation 486 yeah yeah she was actually working there and i was going there a bunch back when joey california was living with me is that before he got hurt or after he got hurt? With his knee thing? Yeah. He don't, he's that doing was right before. That's, he's doing pretty good. good. Yeah, he still has troubles with it. Yeah. But he's, uh, I think he's doing better. He's yeah. he's in Kansas, so he's kind of stuck there. and He's got like a car shop now, though. And That's you know, cool. Like, he, builds, he builds all these sweet cars. Right? He had a badass car there uh, back when he was living with you guys. Uh, he was yeah, the project Buick, car. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a lot of projects. He's like a mad scientist. He's got all these cool ideas and makes all these things. Did he He's making a Johnny Five robot? And <laughs> did he create the uh, the uh, um the, the, the shit trapdoor? The, the, yeah, the trapdoor. I was gonna say the plank, but I was like that was that wasn't the right word. The pla- the trapdoor yeah, was his, right? Yeah. So I the story behind that is I was uh, like me and Miles were always talking for a while about like stuff to do at the. Ryan Bridge Festival back when we used to have that and I was like man it'd be cool to have a dunk tank you know where people could throw a ball and instead of having water you know you just have the river below so you'd be sitting on the you'd basically have the dunk tank without the tank and you just fall into a base jump and then I told Joey about that after a couple years because we never had a dunk tank and you probably can't throw balls out on the bridge anyways but so he's like man well we could try to make like a trap door and they started putting these boards together and got like a latch from a fence or something and the, the first time i was like i'm not sitting on that thing it's a, a gate latch and then he made it where it's it's uh pretty strong now but yeah that thing's pretty cool <laughs> he's got so many good ideas though too many it's hard for him to focus on one <laughs> back back to brenton man what, oh, yeah. what, what, what do you guys i just have to ask you this I remember last time you were out here, I went to I went to grab everyone coffees, and you were just like, "Nah, coffee black for me." Um, I'm really curious what you guys eat. Oh. How, how old are you now, Sean? You're like a year older than me. Thirty six. Two years. So you're two years older than me. You're at you're in way better shape than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I'm actually thirty eight. Are you thirty eight? I just always say 36 because it's the age I got stuck at. <laughs> Dude. Nice. Well, then in, in that case, uh, 
Yeah, bravo. Like, every time I see a picture of you two on uh, on Facebook or something, I'm like, what are those two eating? Like, They're you're both clearly eating the same people, thing. Right? <laughs> you just it look just like makes a... me look better. But, um, yeah, so we – I I've always been real uh, health conscious with what I eat, and it's actually changed my life. <clears throat> um, I was eating uh, – you know, normal stuff. I used to love cheese and bread. And then my friend, uh, this guy, Ron, he owns this company called AMRAP. Uh, it's, Affiliated it's like a supplement. supplement. Yeah. yeah. And they make supplements. Uh, he was a high school friend of mine. makes really good stuff. Oh, so he's nice. telling me, it's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I just, he said he didn't eat bread or cheese or uh, much sugar anymore. Paleo-ish. And, I, and he's like, yeah, totally. And uh, he says, you know, it was after I hurt my knee. So I'm trying to heal up fast. And uh, I'm, you know, like, I don't know, just I was pretty sleepy and depressed a lot of my early life and just didn't feel like my energy level was where it should be. So he told me about this thing. It was like the Whole30 diet. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. The whole 30. So yeah. I looked this up and it's kind of like this thing where you, you just go super baseline on your diet for mm-hmm. 30 days and you don't eat. There's a lot of stuff you don't eat. Like you can't have beer. There's no coffee. It's like really basic. So what that does is it kind of sets you at this baseline where then you can, you know, kind of gets a lot of toxins out of your body and acts as a cleanse. And then you can slowly introduce other things in. And the whole point is to reduce inflammation in your body. mostly. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, if you one by one introduce new things into your diet, you're more aware of how they make you feel. So right. now you start eating as a as a way to feel good, and it's rewarding when you feel good, rather than just being rewarded by the taste of it. Right. Um, so so it kind of changes the way you eat, um, and so that's kind of where it all started. And then she used to love pizza and all that stuff too. And and um, <clears throat> anyways, my girlfriend Brenton is an awesome cook. And she makes all this good, like, paleo-type stuff um, with not, you know, it's mostly natural, like, whole foods. Um, and we can both tell a difference on, you know, how we feel. And a lot of it's just mental, too, you know. Like, I yeah, dude. Feeling, my body feeling tired. Because I'm jumping and training, like, all the time. Um, and I don't want to feel tired. So, yeah. We well, really let's get it. I mean, and there's the most important factor is, is looking like a shaved ape. Just looking like you got in a, a sword fight with a samurai, man. Just all shredded up. Yeah. No, I, I remember I remember uh, talking to you last time you were out here. Um, and you had done, I think you did like 12 jumps off Ravant in in a day. Am I off on that? I don't know if I did that many. That sounds maybe uh, like. I'm pretty sure you did because I told like 50 people afterwards. I was it's like, "True, now I ran into I ran into oh. Chuma today." We were we were talking at the <laughs> uh, at the Kabu house afterwards, and uh, yeah. I think it was just that one day. You're like, "Yeah, man, I got a good." I'm 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 90 percent sure at this point. If you don't remember it that way, then I'm probably wrong. But yeah, I I can't I can't verify that. I don't I don't think I did that many. I think that's kind I, of a I remember you, you told me a number though that was what seemed like pretty staggering to me. Um, I was I was going and uh, and packing real fast and getting right back on. I think I did as many as I could do almost, you know. And then the weather kind of would come in, but 
Yeah. Yeah. But I remember we were talking at the house and it was, and, and you just seemed like, yeah, yeah, I did this today. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, if I packed, if I just <laughs> packed that many times a day, no jumps, I would be, I'd be falling asleep on the counter right now. Cause I'd be so tired. And, uh, I don't know, man, same, same as you, I'm, I'm getting more and more interested in diet. So I'm always asking people what they're doing. Cause, um, you know, it is interesting to me that you, that you use that during a, a period of recovery and that it worked really well for you. And, and I, I think there's value in that, especially, you know, to, as a snippet on here, because there's plenty of people that hopefully will listen to this at some point and benefit, uh, when they're eventually, or, you know, hopefully not, but possibly have their own injury someday, you know, big or small, they can use that kind yeah. of stuff, be holistic. You can't about go it. eating. Sugar doesn't help you heal. And a lot of other things don't either, but you know, like the natural things that grow definitely help you rebuild. And I'm like picking I said, up I, you put I, I want, I try to, I try to, you know, be work at a, the most optimal level that I can just cause I, the more energy I have, the better I feel. And I, cause I look at some people and they just seem like they're just like dragon ass. They're always yeah. like amped up and like, how are you doing that? You know, I, I can't do that. I have to, you know, try to make moves to make sure I'm feeling good. Cause I, w- I want my body to work perfectly, you know, and, and not be, I just don't want any pains or anything so that I can do what I want to do. And then especially my mind too. And just a nice balance between the two. I, w- I want to feel sharp so I can make the right decisions at any moment that I need to. And then, uh, you know, I just, you're just happier when you kind of see the universe in a deeper level rather than, you know, always being focused on work or something like that. So you, you have more energy when you, when you focus on the right things, you know, when you say people that are always up, are you talking about miles? <laughs> miles has a lot of energy, <laughs> more energy than, yeah. Like, I've seen him tired before, though. He just there's a point. There's a point which he gets. Say it much, right? He's definitely got a lot. Everyone, everyone else is uh, like, yeah. I've only met that guy briefly, like three times, but it, it he like it just exudes out of him so at such a frequency that you're like, you start getting jacked up. Like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's contagious. Yeah. Everybody knows that he's like he's got that contagious. Uh, energy yeah that like yeah good hype man get fired up he's all about getting fired up yeah dude i uh i wrote a couple of questions down earlier today that i was i was just sitting around kind of thinking about um what to ask you and i was gonna see if i could just ask you a couple like rapid fire real quick okay they're totally random um i already asked you the favorite trick uh What's one thing that no one knows about you? That was like the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about talking to you today. And after this podcast, like 10 people will know it about you. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what people know because I think I've probably spoken about some of it. But I think one of the things that people probably don't think about, because people ask what they, they see what you do in your life and they imagine a certain life that may not actually be accurate. Like for me. They probably think that I'm just uh, like kind of crazy, more that Mountain Dew type attitude. Um, but I actually read a lot, um, and I think 
that's probably kind of not right along with how most people think. Um, I'm not a quick reader, but I do like to just kind of chill. I like to play hard, and then I like to chill like just as hard. And sometimes I'm kind of see myself as a little bit of a loner because I do like to be by myself. Um, yeah. Just so I can think, you know, and and not think at the same time. Yeah. Because um, I just, you know, I find peace in, you know, just quiet with my eyes closed. And so, um, I think a lot of people probably don't know that. That you can, that you know how to read. I'm a pretty I'm, spiritual person too, and I, I don't think. Do you, hey, med- do you meditate, Sean? I do, um, almost every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, you ever read the Screw Tape Letters? Speaking of spiritual. The what? The Screw Tape Letters. Uh-uh. I, I read them in college. It's been a minute. But you should read it, dude. It's real dark, but it's right. it's interesting. It's one demon telling another demon how to destroy a guy during World War II. What What are you reading right now, Sean? <laughs> Randy's like, besides steer away the, from this. Besides yeah. the screw tape well, letters. Okay, so I'm, I'll grab my book and, and <clears throat> read what it is. But um, So I kind of, I don't know, there's like a bunch of different ones going on at the same time, so it takes me like months and months to read a book because I listen to audio books and yeah. when I'm driving or whatever. That's and, where we're and at. And then when I'm fun. Yeah, so that's good stuff too, but then there's times where I actually want to read a book. So the book that I'm reading now is called Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm. And there's like a subtitle called Into the Dreaming of Earth. Um, It's by this guy named Stephen Herod Buner. And basically it's about this, uh, like how plants um, and, well, yeah, mostly like plants have this spirit um, kind of goes into like shamanism and like uh, the just everything they believe down in the Amazon and all that. Just how like uh, plants have it in its intelligence and it's just on a different kind of level than than we see because um, we do everything like you know our time is short, but like, for a tree, for instance, lives you know some of them live like hundreds of years and uh, they just do things a lot slower and. You know, they still react to things and have like a mind and a connection between all, you know, other living stuff um, on Earth and in the universe. And it's just pretty crazy. It gets into some stuff. But it's like 550 pages. And sometimes it's really confusing, but it's an awesome book. Did you also read I, The Secret Life of Trees? Oh, yeah. I actually just finished that. I've got that on my list. Yeah, that one's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, after you read that, you should look up this guy. It was actually uh, suggested to me by a, a friend of mine um, named Ben. That is, uh, he's studied a lot of like uh, the Shipibo uh, healer. Like he spent a lot of time down in the Amazon, um, in the jungle, and uh, he's like a pretty influential dude in my life. Smart guy. And I was like, man, I want to learn more about this because he's, he's like a tobacco healer. And I, that won't make sense to most people, but um, he's like an actual like healer. And uh, he suggested this to me, so it's really What's the name of it again? Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know, man. There's a pretty, pretty interesting podcast I just listened to on Joe Rogan uh, with a guy named Paul Stamets. 
that you'd probably be into, Sean. Next time you're driving, eat up two yeah. hours and 30 minutes of your life. But he's talking about the same thing about how, um, you know, the word intelligence for us encapsulates a certain spectrum of, uh, of action and thought and how plants may actually have something that, uh, and fungus in particular, this guy's talking about, it's talking about mushrooms, but how 30% of all soil mass in the world is, is fungal and, and, uh, it was really yeah. interesting. You dig it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it blows my mind because you don't really think of it like that. I mean, people look at a tree and they don't think living organism. They don't think a living being. But it's weird because if you tune into the right things, you can actually see it. Like you can actually see that it is a living thing. And Communicating. You start, think about things, you start to think about things a lot differently, you know, um, rather than just being care. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously that would lead you to be more uh, caring about the planet you live on and you know it's it's and all that is is just knowing more about small details of of living things you know it's i love it um i always think about stuff like that and i, don't know, I think about some crazy stuff I don't know, <laughs> way beyond interdimensional stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sean back in in twin falls you also do tandem bass like uh, you strap people to your chest and then jump off a bridge. Uh, how long have you been doing that? And tell us whatever you want to tell us about that. I've been doing that since about, I guess it's been about seven or eight years. Um, I started doing that um, with a couple, couple friends. Um, we were just kind of testing it out and, you know, tested a bunch on our friends and everything, and it started working out. And then, uh, you know, now I've got about 600 of those tandem base jumps off of all kinds of different objects. Um, Wait a second. Wait, did you just say you tested it out on your friends? Who was the first well, person I, that right? you strapped yeah. to you, the front of you? Uh, oh, the first person to actually go with me was Mark Lambert. No shit, Marco Poco. Yeah. Nice. A beautiful human being. And very, very yeah. trustworthy. Yeah. I mean, he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah he's trustworthy. <laughs> he's a, yeah. So we did that on this wooden board. And we had, you know, I'd started it with uh, Abby Michal and Mark Kistner. And since then, it's just me now. They kind of like passed it on, but because mm-hmm. it's more like a one person thing. But um, yeah, Mark and I jumped. We had this big wooden platform that took about five people to take out there. And, uh, and we did it and yeah, so then we tried on, you know, other people, like people that we knew that knew the risks involved and then eventually, uh, you know, it's, I got better at it and our equipment got better and I started taking, you know, just normal, uh, customers on it. And then that was the birth of the commercial tandem base. And it's pretty cool. You know, my whole idea along the way was to be able to share the sport because you can see that people are quick to make their decisions about how they, about what they think about it. Um, As far as about base jumping, they oftentimes, you know, like we said, it's just for crazy people. Those guys are nuts. It's like how people used to think that snowboarders were. Those guys are like missiles going (laughs) going down. (laughs) Right. um, And now, you know, so I wanted to be able to show someone without them having to do all the 
training that we do. That way they could see how awesome it is. And then it would, in turn, it would help the sport because it's obvious once you do it, you're like, holy shit, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so I got to share it with a lot of people and, and, uh, some of them have been some pretty special jumps. I mean, they've all been special, but like I've taken a quadriplegic man, Pete Bonzer, um, my friend Marlena, she's from Australia. She's got cerebral palsy jumped her off of the kale tower she's coming out here this summer to twin to come jump with me oh very nice um, she's super cool like it's hard you know in the beginning you you look at her and you're thinking man can i like how do i communicate with her but she's got this board and she's super intelligent she she actually uh interviews all these celebrities and uh it's awesome she, but she skydived before on the tandem and she just she loves doing the tandem base so Took her, and then I've taken Dorothy Custer, who was 102 years old at the time. Oh wow, that I was remember, cool. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That was that was cool. You, and you also like uh, rode elephants with Dorothy, and like uh, you like really became a yeah. part of her life. Well, back you know Joey was living with me at the time, so we wanted to do something special for her because she had. I think we asked her a question, or someone said, "If you had three wishes, what could you? What would you do?" And something like, she wanted a base jump, she wanted to ride an elephant. And she wanted to ride in a hot air balloon. So we did the base jump. And then a week later, Joey just happened to meet this dude from the Shriner Circus at the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> wow. Um, we it right next to who, the bridge. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this uh, nice. older dude. I forget his name now, but he was super cool. And we said, man, Joey talked to him and said, you know, we've got this lady, Dorothy Custer. He knew who she was. And uh, he let us come ride the elephant at the circus. Um, a week later after the jump and then for her 103rd birthday we took her to Park City, Utah and got a hot air balloon and took her up and we all jumped out she stayed in there playing the harmonica while we jumped <laughs> that's so really rad yeah super cool just to see someone that was living it up and she used to, she used to talk about how she used to climb up on climb trees and you know it was always all about climbing up the highest haystacks and stuff like that. And I was like, man, that's cool. It's kind of like how we were. And she was just living it up, you know, it's super cool. And, and for someone to talk about things like how credit cards have changed society, you know, she was very aware of what was going on. And she's like, yeah, we used to only spend money that we had. And now, you know, people have these credit cards and they get this debt and they act like a bunch of slaves. Like, geez, you're turned on. Right. Cause just to, just to see that much time go by, obviously you'd pick on, pick up on different patterns um, and all that. But yeah, so the I've done some special jumps, um, doing the tandem base jumps. I've jumped in Greece, Malaysia, a different bridge. Yeah, you, I do have tandem. I've jumped in antenna, so I've got all the letters. Nice, on. you got you got tandem base base. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just pretty fun to share the sport, and I I hope to you know, keep on doing it. And I hope it kind of stays. I mean, there's a lot of interest now and in other people that actually want to do it. Sometimes it kind of, I get bothered a little bit about it because I don't want to see it go off in a weird direction. Um, cause the whole point, like I said, is for the good of our sport. And I just don't want people to have bad experiences or, you know, anything bad to happen because then it could, you know, be not so good. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, like, uh, I've taken my parents, uh, they've, they've, they've gotten their little bit of tunnel time, uh, I've taken them paragliding next up on the list is skydiving, uh, as soon as I can get them 
to a drop zone. And then uh, for sure, if we're in the right place, right time, I'm, I'm, I'll take them tandem base jumping. And they'll do it. Like, I, I guarantee they'll nice. do it. But uh, Yeah, we can do a – it's fun to do, like, when I take my friends, you know, parents or girlfriend or whatever, it's fun to do, like, a, like a three-way jump. Yeah. Because then they get to jump with, and it's pretty awesome, especially the canopy time and everything. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to explain that to my, my – because they want me to take them skydiving, you know, because I have a tandem rating. But, like, but you don't understand, like, I'm, I'll be behind you the whole time. Like, you won't really see me that much. Like, whereas if I yeah. jump in front of you and shoot video, we can interact, you know. But, like, if we're in twin, yeah. you know, there's not that much interaction with a few seconds. But, you know, they still get that visual. Yeah, it's just cool to be there right. jumping at the same time. Yeah, um, I've taken my girlfriend on four jumps. Um, it's always fun to jump with her because we did a like a free fall one off the bridge, which was pretty fun. Oh, and wow. I don't normally cool. do that uh, off Twin yeah. Falls. Okay, nice. yeah. See, I've seen yeah. tw- I've seen free fall like old school free fall videos off of uh, like, yeah. you know, New River Gorge, but yeah. Um, that's pretty rad. Do you guys yeah, trade like a that. jump for a jump? <laughs> but <Ba-dum. laughs> Well, what do you mean? Like you jump her at the bridge and then you get home, she jumps your bones? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only trade I'd make on that one. <laughs> that's pretty much right. That's pretty much me and my wife for everything. <laughs> she's oh, like, you guys just trade that, huh? Well, she's like, if I win, you got to buy me dinner. And she's like, what do you want if, what do you want if you win? And I'm like, you know what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Stop asking me that. It will never be coffee or dinner. Hey, Sean, you know, something uh, interesting about this uh, conversation and for me special anyways, and interesting is that uh, about four years ago, three, three or four years ago, you messaged me like, yo, my buddy Ben's coming to uh, uh, Germany. And oh, yeah. here he is, you know, yeah. on, on a mic. You, know. you orchestrated this, absolutely. Yeah, that was all you. Well, what a trip. Um, yeah, because, you know, like, it's really easy to miss people. You can be, you can spend an entire weekend somewhere like the Valley and not bump into somebody, even though you, yeah. maybe you jumped all the same spots, but you miss, you know, 20 minutes can separate a group. You know, so, like, it's hard to say that Ben and I would have ever met, or and Ben and Brian, uh, without your uh, little nudge you know when he was when he was on his way over here yeah that's cool i always knew that he was over there and yeah different yeah. breed How's good, Andrew good people no, nonetheless yeah he's good did man Andrew also? he's the, uh i think we, they met, they met him briefly yeah. yeah did a couple jumps when he was out here for his 30th birthday yeah dude he's doing good man we we're due for a trip out there to visit you for sure yeah yeah it's been a minute yeah well, hopefully Back to the states here pretty soon. So I, I haven't been to the bridge since 2012. Like I, I owe a few people a visit to include uh, Luann Plot Hoarding, yeah, who, who still treats me like a son. Uh, I don't deserve it, but like I owe her a visit. <laughs> it doesn't even matter if I jump off the bridge. I yeah. just need to go see Luann. You know, like, yeah. I feel the same, man. I really want to see the uh, the Bramans out there. I haven't seen them since uh, since they lost Tanner. Yeah, I haven't seen him for a while either. I should probably call them up and say hi. Yeah, man. They were 
that I'll never forget sleeping under the bridge in November with Andrew, uh, and we had gotten a bunch of tacos and gotten just blasted. And, uh, I was trying my damnedest with my, my poor circulation in my hands and uh, to get this tent set up. And, uh, and Andrew's just standing behind me, like staggering around. And we had just watched South Park, that, that episode where the guy's got a, the guy, the, the dude goes under, undercover as a prostitute for all the college kids. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. Well, his, he's like reciting this one line over and over again from that episode. He's just going, you worked it real good, daddy. You worked it. I'm like, help me set this tent up, dude. I'm freezing. And he's got, I just remember he had like nachos bel grande all over the front of him. He's just a shit show. And uh, finally we get this, we get this tent set up. And I remember I have a video clip somewhere from a really old point and shoot camera. You can't see anything. I meant to take a picture, but I have it on video. And it's me just going, shit, why well, won't it take a picture? And you just hear Andrew going, yeah, you worked it real good, daddy. Like inside the tent. And the next day... We get in contact with uh, Sherry and Dennis, and uh, Sherry just gave us a little a little chewing. She's like, "Am I hearing this right? That you guys slept underneath the bridge last night? Why didn't you call me? You know?" And I was like, "Well, we we got in a little late. You know, we didn't want to we didn't want to barge in and impose." And and she's just like, "Never do that again. I've got five open rooms in my house. I got an empty nest. You guys call me. I don't care what time it is." I'm like, "Man, these people are so sweet." Just totally salt of the earth people, but uh, yeah, good times out there. Good times out there in Twin. Do for some more of them yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's great to have guys like you that like live there that are like uh, a the ambassadors for the sport, but b protect one of the most you know beautiful objects we have in the states and one of the only legal objects we have. So the only is yeah. it? Uh, is there anything yeah. else legal year round? Well, you can go to Moab and jump all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah, and even that is hit and miss depending on where you land. You know, but but Twin is legit year round. Yeah, it's a pretty special place. And there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on kind of behind the scenes that jumpers, you know, not from here don't quite know about. Yeah. Kind of as far as like some of the fundraisers that you know some jumpers do and and how we clean up the canyon all the time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's and all that we're trying to do there is just to help the community realize that we do uh you know care about we care about the bridge and we love it and right. we want to be able to and keep jumping community. it. So it's just yeah, it's just about us giving back to them and and you know, let them know that we actually appreciate it. Yeah, you guys acknowledge that, that it's a privilege, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's pretty special to be able to to jump here you know and it's it's a cool town because it's kind of laid back and i mean i i love it it's definitely a slower pace than when i used to live in san diego yeah and and i think that's commensurate with most you know base jumpers i mean the the regardless of what language you speak or where you live like the base culture is pretty similar because you know we we have the same thing going on in uh you know in the valley you know we we raise money for uh, Air Glacier and, and some of the others, um, SBA. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's all about giving back and taking care of the you know, nature and the community. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
Awesome. Hey, real quick before I go, so the ID base packing steak. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, got me got me detained at an airport. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had enough, I, you know, because I, I routinely check in way too early. Um, I had time to uh, to adjust, but but still got it. Still love it. Um, when I need, I just want to be like, yeah, yeah. One of the I've been I've been detained at airports so many times. It's not even funny. Never, never for anything like legit bad, but uh, but that was a funny one where like I actually knew the head uh, EOD tech at that airport, uh, from a previous gig. And, uh, I called him and I was like, yo, <laughs> I got, I, I, I'm being stopped cause it's packing, t- packing uh, steak. And they, uh, we, we, we had enough time to sort it out, but it was, it was an awkward moment, but I still have it and I still love it. Um, <laughs> okay. They gave it back. Did yeah. They, you, know, you know, I had time so to you... like pull my luggage. He had to and... keister it, but whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it was, you had it, like it was it, it no it was yeah it was in my carry-on on accident i didn't realize it was still oh, well, damn. yeah no, no kidding right no kidding no kidding <laughs> getting detained <laughs> yeah no it, yeah. it was like still in my tools or whatever and like i threw the tools in with my rig that i was carrying on and blah blah, blah. Long, long story short the, the the thing that looks like a uh um brass knuckles with a spike on the end naturally that got me and that was well yeah that was post Still shouldn't be on an airplane with that. Yeah, I had I got, a handgun in there too. I got a yeah, box. Really. I got a box cutter. If you want to take that next time, yeah. <laughs> Don't sharpen your toothbrush. Well, I can't um, concealed carry on an airplane. Air marshals do it, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, those if those guys they they see that steak and they're like, what the? What is this, this shit? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, so sometimes I, you know. um like you can carry on like an, a notice because you know they they have to think it's one thing and if they suspect it then you know what you have to do some explaining but yeah um, there's like a I don't know you can always make a little notice and uh, you know because it's got the wrenches on it yeah yeah that. for sure it's actually a tool you're like no one hundred percent for packing a parachute I mean but yeah it just happens to look super badass. Yeah, <laughs> and, and questionable, you know, when you're getting on, on an aircraft. Uh, so I've got, I've got a dozen reasons to be pissed at the TSA, but uh, that that packing steak, not one of them. But still, still, it was it was a funny moment. Uh, but I still have my my packing steak. Good. Uh, is, is there anything you want to uh, plug or hit before we get yeah. off here, Sean? Um. I guess if anybody is been skydiving for a little while and you're ready to take that step into base jumping and you think you can be something beneficial to the base community, um, you can call me up and I do base jumping classes. Or if you don't base jump and you just want to try it out, you can come do a tandem base jump. And yeah, other than that, um, I guess that's about it. Awesome, bro. We'll make sure to uh, add like your Instagram and some other stuff uh, into the show notes for this uh, for this podcast, so people know how to find you and reach you. And uh, you know, thanks for taking you know an hour and twenty five minutes out of your time to chat with us. I got a piggyback yeah, on no that, worries. real quick. That was fun. I've always yeah, go for it. Sorry, I got a piggyback on that real quick. 
Uh, Sean taught me how to base jump back in 2009. I did, I did not know this. He, he threw Dang. me off the bridge my first couple times. Um, so it's all it, your fault, Sean. And it, it, <laughs> if you're looking for somewhere to go to learn, I recommend him to people all the time. He's not just the only person in the world with 5,000 base jumps, the majority of those being like badass aerials yeah. that you can learn from. I mean, there, there are a handful of people with over a grant. I mean, probably kind of yeah. two hands. But you're also, getting, you're also getting the Sean Chuma experience, which is basically having what my brother calls a base jumping unicorn around. Right. It's like being around. It's kind of like that Miles effect. It's like, it's like getting high. It's like a proximity high, basically. And you, and you have the ID base army. You get calmed you. down. He says stuff like, yeah. it should work. And for some reason, although the content of what he said <laughs> would make you nervous, the way he said it is just so calming and, you know, right? you feel great. So I can say personally, having no, dude, what, how long have we known each other now? 12, 13 years? I don't know. So, it's a long time. It's been a while too. 2005, I got back. Uh, I think it was about, yeah. 2005, 2006. So if you're listening to this and you want a place to learn how to base jump, go learn how to base jump from Sean. You get to hang out with an awesome dude and, uh, and you get the best instruction money can buy. So yeah, that's my two cents. That's as yeah, good as any. Hell yeah. I learned it's something about both of you. Is what it is. <laughs> right? Yeah, I got my ninja training on the, on the hills. We, uh, my first snowboarding experience was actually with Sean. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah, we, uh, Forgot. yeah, cause Christy was there and Christy and T hit it off and like, I was looking, I was hung over and looking for every excuse to not go out on snowboarding on a shitty weather day, but, uh, it was too windy for base jumping, but, uh, yeah, we hadn't even met. You gave me like all the gear, like snow pants, snow jacket, yeah, like, uh, goggles. I was like, I don't have gear. I don't have this. And like every excuse I had, like Christy came back. Well, Sean has this. Sean has that. And I'm like, shit. I'm going to hang out with like a really good base jumper. And I'm like fucking nobody. And I don't know how to snowboard. And and I'm hungover. <laughs> like, oh, this like, you know, young jumper like concerns. But, uh, but either way, bro, we, we really love you. And thank you for uh, you know, being on with us. Yeah, man, I'm excited for you guys. I've always wanted to have a podcast, so it's cool that you right. guys are doing. You can do it, like uh, offline. We can talk. I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to do. Like, Sweet. Uh, I don't know if I keep up on it. I right? probably do one like once, and then maybe again, and then all of a sudden, like, be like three months until I do. Yeah, yeah, we're we're building this plane as it's in air, so you know we're. we're yeah, it's cool. Out. I like it. It's it's good for to have something to listen to. I mean, it's it's. It's perfect. So yeah, well, that's where I it came appreciate. from. Appreciate, you know, me and Brian spend average eight hours a weekend in a car. Yeah, so. this is all Brian and Randy. Yeah. I just come over and drink yeah. their whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben's our caller commentator. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, UFC reference. But, uh, all right, brother. But thank you for everything, and and uh, we look forward to jumping with you and uh, having you on here again soon. Maybe next time you're in Europe, we can just. Because this is a mobile podcast, so we we can do it wherever we're at. And uh, okay, love to have you back. Cool, sounds good. I'll probably be back out there in late April. Hey, call me this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right, bro. Yeah. Good talking, to you, brother. All right, brother. See ya. 
All right. If you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com, facebook.com backslash the baselife. And on Instagram, we're at base.life. All right. Thanks.